Hi everybody, this is Gatsad coming to you from Newport Beach, California. I should be only on vacation, but too many things happen in the world and it uh, compels me to comment on them. Many of you who have read uh, The Parasitic Mind will recall uh, when I talked about the distinction between consequentialist ethics versus deontological ethics. Uh, let me just summarize it again for you. Uh, consequentialist ethics would be saying something like, well, it's okay to lie if the consequences are that you are sparing someone's feelings, whereas uh, deontological ethics would be, it's an absolute statement. It is never okay to lie. And of course, as we navigate through the world, uh, in many cases, we have to put on our consequentialist hat. But as I explained, the parasitic mind, when it comes to uh, the pursuit of truth, you should be uh, deontological. In other words, you don't bend the truth for some consequence. The pursuit of truth should be unencumbered by any uh, consequences. Uh, because otherwise, for example, you'd have forbidden knowledge in, in science, whereby you shouldn't study this because the consequences might be bad. You, you know, you should, we, should have, we should cancel physics because it led to a negative consequence, the building of very dangerous weapons. So the pursuit of truth is a deontological pursuit. Another place where deontological ethics are crucially important is when it comes to foundational values, presumption of innocence. You don't like Brett Kavanaugh, that doesn't mean that you presume that he is guilty because someone said a day before he is confirmed that maybe somehow, somewhere, at some point, I can't remember, 36 years ago, he had sexually assaulted me. But many of my super smart progressive friends said, well, when it comes to such an important decision, uh, you know, we shouldn't have presumption of innocence when it comes to Brett Kavanaugh because, you know, it wasn't a court case that he was facing. It was a job interview. No, presumption of innocence is something that should be afforded, afforded to everyone in a just and fair society. Another example of uh, people putting on a consequentialist hat when they should be deontological driven is when it came to, uh, you know, uh, getting rid of Donald Trump from Twitter. Some of my super, super smart progressive uh, friends were, well, no, but this we applaud this move because, you know, freedom of speech is too important an issue to grant it to someone as grotesque as Donald Trump. So, of course, we support freedom of speech, just not for ogres. Uh, now, why am I talking about this today? Because when it comes to what just happened with Roe v. Wade, all of my super, super smart progressive colleagues said that, you know, the, the United States is finished as a society. It's dead. That's it. We're the Taliban. Because uh, what kind of court, what kind of Supreme Court would reverse something that's uh, been on, on the books for 50 years? So when, when the Supreme Court, uh, uh, you know, renders a decision that is in line with my ideology, then it's a great system. When it goes against my ideology, then it becomes, you know, just a, a, a bunch of extremist nuts who are sending us back to the dark ages. So again, that's a consequentialist view. The system is great when it supports my position. The system is bad and must be dismantled. Example, we got, we're going to have to pack the courts because it's simply too important of a decision to allow the regular system to take place. The electoral college is great 
when my guy wins. The electoral college is white supremacy when the other assholes win. So that's all driven by the application of consequentialist ethos to what should be deontological first principles. That's what defines a great society, whereby you have a bedrock of foundational values that are not violated for any consequentialist cause. That's why they are deontological. It is simply astonishing to me the number of imbeciles, morons, miscreants, cretins, all of whom are typically intellectuals and professors, who are perfectly happy to eradicate every one of these deontological principles when it is polit politically expedient for their camp. No. Let me contextualize. Adolf Eichmann was one of the butchers of Nazism. When the Mossad was trying to look for him to bring him to justice, they could have easily killed him when they found him in South America. But because they were committed to a deontological principle of everyone should have their day in court, they decided that despite the great risks they would be taking, not only the Mossad agents, but Israel as a country would be taking in having to transport him in a clandestine way back from Argentina, I think he was in Argentina where they caught him, back to Israel to stand trial, they thought we cannot violate that deontological principle. And therefore they brought him back to Israel, he was judged, and then he was executed. But they could have easily put a bullet in his head and saved everybody tons of trouble, but they were deontologically driven. I am Jewish. I escaped Lebanese horrors in the Civil War, yet I support the right of Holocaust deniers to spew their nonsense. There is nothing in terms of, of that is greater of offensive speech than for someone to deny the Holocaust, yet based on the deontological principle of freedom of speech, then you have to be able to tolerate that. So everything that we are seeing in society today, well, many of the things that we are seeing that are grotesque stem from the application of consequentialist ethics in domains that should be completely driven by deontological ethics. So memorize this lesson. What made the West great, and I, I'm almost speaking in past tense now, is precisely because there was an adherence, a dogmatic adherence, a deontological adherence to deontological principles. Have a good day, everybody. Cheers.